Welcome to For Book's Sake with Heather Roberts. And Veronica Adams and all the funny little things you can't see before we hit the I know. <laughs> you know, the thing moves. The little button for the noise, like our little intro song, moves after I hit record. And it gives you like a countdown. I know everybody at home cares so much about this. But so then it like I always look confused because I'm like, where's the button? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But welcome, everybody. Today, our topic is tropes. We're going to be talking about tropes and probably a little bit about the Amazon page front as well, what you should be looking at. Those two things tie in together so seamlessly that it's kind of a combined conversation. They go hand in hand. Totally. So tropes are different than genres. Yes. Let's have that yes. conversation. And I, I think maybe this comes off a little bit. I, this seems like a basic thing, right? Yeah. Like if you have been writing for a while, you should have a pretty good grasp of genre. You should definitely have a good grasp of genre, but also, you know, trope. Now, if you're relatively new to writing or new to marketing, maybe you know genre, but you haven't really thought too much about tropes. So, and yeah, I think sometimes in the beginning, if somebody hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience doing this, yeah. or they could confuse some of the two um, because they are often talked about in the same sentences. Absolutely. So, you know, genre or subgenre being like romance, and then a subgenre of romance could be small town romance or romantic suspense or mm-hmm. something like that. But a trope, coincidentally, could also be small town romance. It could, actually. So, <laughs> and I think that's where sometimes it gets confused because people are like, well, wait a second. But you're really talking about it in different in a different way. Mm-hmm. Usually when you're talking about genre, at least in my brain, my brain goes to categorizi- categorization. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Categories yes. and things like that. Uh, which we've briefly talked about before, but uh, you're talking about where would some, you know, the type of book it is. Right. On what shelf in the bookstore will your book be sold? Are you in the section with thrillers? Yes. Are you in the romance section? Are you in the self-help section? I mean, that's a nonfiction thing right there. I mean, you know, let's start fiction or nonfiction, right? Right. And then then you pair down from there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Tropes have to do with the story itself. Yes. So when you're talking about a trope, you're talking about the content of the story, not just the overall content, like, you know, where would you put it on a bookshelf? Right. You're, it could be that a contemporary romance, which is the genre, has a variety of different tropes in it. Could have, yes. uh, you know, a contemporary romance could have a single dad um, in it, and that could be placed on the shelf right next to a contemporary romance that is a fake fiance romance just off the top of my head right tropes are like your plot devices what are the predictable things the reusable themes the recyclable devices that are available to you in moving your story forward so yes you got that contemporary romance setting but perhaps your entire story is about hmm, a couple getting together, uh, enemies to lovers, right? Yes. They start out hating each other. And by the end of the book, they are madly in love. That's a personal favorite. Is it? Uh, you love that I, one? I, okay. I love an enemies to lovers. 
I also love like falling for the boss type romances. Do like, you? Like, you love oh, the office romances. Yes. I'm I am so yeah. Yeah. I had no that's idea. See, yeah, look, I'm learning things. I didn't know. Right? How did you not know that? I don't know, but I did not yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah. Office romance, great, but specifically <clears throat> falling for the boss, right? Like if they're just coworkers, it's good. If it's heroine and the boss, or maybe the heroine is the boss and it's the employee who's the hero. Ooh, even yes, better. Please. Even yeah. better. Okay. Be all the boss romances. All right. All right. I'm a sucker for small town romance. I know. It, it I is- know. Oh my <laughs> You guys have no idea how excited this one was when Virgin River became a Netflix series. Oh, yes. I know. <laughs> and, you know, it's – it. Be, I know I live in Vermont. I did not move to Vermont because of my love for Vermont small-town romances. <laughs> but I do love Vermont small-town romances. I think I've read all of the ones in existence. Uh, uh-huh. If they do not, you know, let me know. Let me know your favorite because right. I am pretty sure right. I've read it. Right. And ironically, when I first moved here too, I was like, there's just so many little plot devices of my little town Mm -hmm. that easily could be turned. I was like, plot bunny, plot bunny, like, you know, the small town corner store, the owner was retiring and the new owner took over and she was, you know, she's single and has a dog and could easily, you know, find you're not just someone. The book you're also writing the Hallmark screenplay. I while know. you talk about this, but like, like it's perfect. And this like is real that exists, and mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's the my town. quaint New England life. Yes. <laughs> so these things do happen in real life. Oh. Yeah, and I could easily see somebody moving in from the big town that, you know, a billionaire who moves. Anyway, I'm, I'm yep. just writing a book now. But these are things, you know, that is a trope, right? That is a trope that I could read a hundred times over with different characters and different plot devices yeah. and, you know, still love them all. So... And just like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, very tropey. Tons of tropes in there. Billionaire romance trope. Uh, You have the virgin heroine trope. Yes. BDSM kink trope. The the tortured hero who has some sort of past something trope. I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, it was very trope heavy, which is also why people responded well to it, because people love these tropes. Uh, so, and also Crossfire series. That's why if you were reading the Crossfire series after Fifty Shades and you're like, well, this feels reminiscent. It is. That's why. What it's, a throwback. I Gideon know. I know. Eva. Oh, swoon. I love Gideon. What I can know. I say? He's yeah, I he's one of my favorites. Like a top five book boyfriend. Top five, for sure. For sure. So is Damien from... Jay Kenner's series. You're pulling out all the classics. I know. These are the OGs. If you have not read these books, you need to go back to the beginning. It was... Uh, I I love um yes uh, I love Damien Stark the Stark novels with Jay Kenner yes. I loved all of those uh, also very trope similar with you know Fifty Shades and the similar mm-hmm. tropes that it has in there but totally different story yeah so anyway. That's a lot of tropes. So now that you figured out what are tropes and we could go, I mean, if you Google tropes, like especially romance tropes, 
you will get, there's lists abound. Yeah. I mean, like 200 tropes, 150 right. tropes, 99 <clears throat> tropes, tw- the top 20 romance tropes. Like if you're really unfamiliar, there are resources out there. A quick Google will help you. Correct. See more granularly what a trope actually is for purposes of marketing. Maybe not yeah. necessarily for creative development and writing. Your editor may take issue with some of the stuff we're talking about, but for marketing purposes. Yeah, this is really this is marketing purposes is the mm-hmm. the lens in which we are viewing this from. Right. Um so when we're thinking about tropes, we're thinking about keywords and search terms and what are people yes. searching for, uh what How are popular to set in that reader expectations. Yes. What can you pull from your manuscript? that you can tell readers that they are going to experience. Correct. So that is a lot of the tropey stuff that is very, and tropes have become very popular to use for marketing in the past year or so. So hot right now. Which, yeah, it's so hot right now. But you'll see the little graphics with the book and then all of the the words around it that are pointing at the book and they're highlighting the tropes that are in That's the right. book or other description, maybe maybe the genre that it's in or whatever. And they include that in there as well. Um, but they're doing that because that's what people are looking for right now. They want to be told right up front, what is this book? Is it a surprise baby book? Is it right. a single dad book? Is it, you know fake Beyonce book? Is it a fake marriage the easiest, book? The easiest way to make the sale is to be very clear about what itch you're going to scratch for the reader because right. the reader is like, oh, I am craving, it, it, you know, it's like when you want something specific to eat. Yeah. I want something specific to read. I am looking for possessive hero, touch her and you die, damsel in distress. Correct. And I'm looking through marketing material or I am browsing on Amazon or wherever I buy books. I use Amazon just because of their market share. Yes. Unfortunately, the majority of people are still buying books on Amazon, which is fine. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I mean, I do too. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying I don't. Yeah. No, I know. Do you try to diversify? Yes. But yeah, I'm looking for something specific. And I want you as the author to tell me that you can actually meet that need. You can scratch that itch. You can give me the adventure I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like if you had a bunch of chips in the cabinet and they were all unlabeled and you grabbed a chip bag and you opened it and you were craving something salty and you opened a bag of Cheetos, right? You're going to be disappointed. And so that's why they have labels. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's the same thing. You got to, you know, advertise what's inside. What is right. inside of that book and tell your reader what it is. And that, yeah, it goes back to expectations for sure. But how can you use that? So when I, in the beginning, I was talking about Amazon, your Amazon storefront page. Yes. And this goes is why these this conversation goes hand in hand, because on your Amazon page, you have the opportunity to put the tropes in a variety of places. Uh, a lot of people will make that essentially the subtitle mm-hmm. and put it that's why you'll see uh enemies to lovers single dad romance next to the title of the book for right. example right because one that's going to populate in search term results better than if you hide it somewhere else if you put it right up front people know exactly what it is and it's also going to populate in search term results absolutely and it's just, it's putting it right out there. People know exactly what it is. And I actually love that the popularity has come back for for that to, to be put there. Uh, there was a time where that was very popular and then it became less popular and people started taking it away. 
And I'm like, why? No, <laughs> bring it back for me personally. Right. Um, me as the book consumer. Me as the book consumer. Right. Yes. I was like, bring it back. But yeah, so that's one place to put it. You can also highlight the tropes in your blurb. Absolutely. So when you're writing your blurb, you're not going to be like, you know, saying it as straight out as you would in the subtitle, but you're going to make sure that it's highlighted what those, those are in your blurb. I actually really like the front facing approach of (laughs) at the end of the blurb, putting in like a little editorial note or publisher's note that's like. XYZ book is a steamy standalone fantasy romance with a, you know, like whatever your hero trope is, whatever your heroine trope is, whatever your, your story arc trope is. And there is a guaranteed happily ever after yes. or whatever. I, I love, love those editorial notes. Yeah, no, I give love them, that too. Give them to me. Give them to me for sure. <laughs> I, I love that too. Like at the, at the end of the blurb. At the very end of the blurb. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, don't put it like straight out in the front of the blurb. You want to. Oh yeah, no, no. You're not going to want to lead with it. Yeah. Yeah. But you also want your blurb to highlight these tropes too. So like, for example, you might say like hero uh, is a widow that now Mm -hmm. is taking care of his X year old child and has to move to blank small town, you know, like, so you're not saying it like in, you know, but you're saying it or you, you know, hero is a wolf shifter and the best friend's brother and exactly you're including the words right from an enemy pack or something like you you throw those words in there to trigger your readers to think about the tropes correct yes you're just not like putting them all in one string of words um until the bottom or the you know the top Mm -hmm. but yeah you you want it to be pretty clear as to as to what the book is, uh, sometimes there was a period of time where everybody wanted the blurbs to be very, very vague. And like, I, I do you remember that? Like when yeah. everything was super vague, and I yes. I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I didn't hate that because I personally like sometimes going into a book blind, mm-hmm. but I like this way a lot better. I just think it's more effective marketing. Yeah when you're being secretive about the contents of the book, it can sometimes go against you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be out there. Like for example, with Rebecca Yaros's most recent, you know, incredible release, the fourth wing, everyone yeah. knows it's about dragons. Everyone knows that it's essentially can't even like divergent meets, you know, dragons meet like, and there's lots of, tropes in there. Uh, So if you liked this book, you're going to like that book sort of thing. And it, you know what it is before you start reading it. And a lot of people really enjoy that. Um, I love the dragons. Dragons are great. (laughs) I loved that book. It was very good. Uh, Definitely gave me a book hangover. Was not expecting to like it. I am not usually a fantasy reader. And I'm, I am not at all. Like, yeah. and it's it's nothing against the genre. No, it, it's just never been something that I connected with. I'm just not a fantasy person. I guess fantasies. So like, yeah, usually they're very heavy world building, 
which I understand is necessary for the fantasy genre. I, yeah. I understand that it's necessary. And there are a lot of authors out there who are ridiculously talented at that type of writing. Correct. It's just not my personal jam. Like it's not right. something I'm going to personally go in and like. I read them for business purposes. Yes. But like if I'm just reading for pleasure, I'm very unlikely to pick up a fantasy for me. Exactly. And I can, you know, you recognize the good world building, the Mm -hmm. the world building that needs help and and all of that. But what uh, I liked about Fourth Wing particularly, and the reason I think it's very successful is that it's light on the world building. Uh, I don't mean that in that it doesn't have world building. It certainly does. But it's not to the level that a lot of, fantasy books. It's not punching you in the face the way a lot of fantasy novels yes, do. Yes. Uh, it's not. And so I think some fantasy readers who are used to that, and that mm-hmm. is a critique that I've seen some from some, that it's you know very light on the world building, like, like it's a critique, which is why reviews are important. Because to me, yes. as a consumer- That's actually a bonus. That's a bonus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm in. Right. One click. Right. As a, as a side note, that's why I love to try and spin those like low rating reviews and the negative reviews, because sometimes, you know, one person's yuck is another person's yum. 100%. Like, you didn't like it because of that. Guess what? I'm the kind of person who likes that. Yeah. I'm going to buy this. Right. Yeah. So you, you always have to remember that reviews are for readers. And that's right. why, because some person who's going to hate that one thing, there's, yeah, there's yeah. another that will love it. And yeah, so- you got to just put it out there what the book is and reviews do sometimes help with that. If, if the packaging is a little vague, mm-hmm. I will go to the reviews to find out what the tropes are, yes. what's in, you know, what's inside and, and all of that. Girl, I have even read reviews to find out the tropes for clients books. <laughs> like I'm serious. I'm, I am dead serious. I'm okay? serious. So like, if I can't tell from the blurb, if I'm doing a, a blurb review and right. I can't figure it out, I'll go to right. the reviews. Yeah. Yes. And I will see what readers had to say about it, like what they pulled from it. Their experience was that this was an XYZ trope novel. Yes. Great. And that's not to like critique the client necessarily. It's usually to save time because I can, you know, send a quick message at, I don't have time to read every book every time no. ever written. Oh, no. So we'd be reading all the time for whatever project we're working on for whatever title, whether it's front list, back list, or you know whatever. But yeah, looking at the reviews sometimes is super helpful just to get other readers' feedback. Yeah. Well, and usually we're doing that. For example, I'm reviewing blurbs for a client mm-hmm. at this very moment to either revamp them to to yeah. pu- pull those tropes out and to highlight mm-hmm. them and to do what we're talking about right now to figure out are the blurbs prop or I'm sorry, are the tropes properly represented in the blurbs? Right. Uh, is a reader going to understand what this book yeah. is about? Um, and that's some of the work that I'm doing right now uh, for a client yeah. is giving yep. that sort of overview. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I it's just feeling. recently did it myself to do a set of a plus content graphics for display on Amazon for someone. Mm-hmm. So Going back to where you can list your tropes on Amazon, you can actually put them actively in your A-plus content on your buy pages. Yeah, exactly. So it's very interesting, uh, all of the different ways that you can can do this. Because on Amazon, we've talked before, you get three categories to choose right. from. And then you get seven keywords. So the keywords, you can start putting the tropes in there too. You want to trigger as many points 
in the Zon and on other platforms. You get to put these keywords in there as well if you're wide. Uh, you want to trigger as many points for reader search terms that could possibly come up uh, that you are allowed to, you know, put in there. So yes, you want to make sure that readers know what your book is about. <laughs> so absolutely. I don't know. I think, I think that's pretty much the topic of trips. I mean, we could talk about tropes forever. Sure. And, I mean, like about the individual tropes yeah. or about groups of tropes. Yeah. But that's sort of the overview nitty gritty of yeah. what is, what are tropes about and how you can incorporate them. How can you them. use them to yes. help you? It's not, it's not just the story you're telling. These are things that you can use as marketing tools. Correct. And that's okay. the biggest thing. How can you use what you already have? And so, if you're an author and you don't want to, you know, pay someone to do the work for you, you can go back and look at your old blurbs and see, yep. okay, maybe I should refresh this because I really mm-hmm. didn't highlight the tropes at all. Uh, yep. I didn't say what anything was about. Maybe I should look at my keywords and give another overview to that. And there's different programs that are out there that allow you to see what are popular tropes right now. What are, what's selling? What's, you know, so you can look those different software programs up and utilize them to find out, you know, if you, if you are writing a frontless book, if you want to sort of try to write to market and get something out quickly, what's popping off right now. Or if you have a backlist book that you can put on sale or yes. submit for a book bub feature deal or just advertise at full price. And you use know, these the tropes trope in your advertising. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Put them in your ad creative somewhere. Right. Use them in your uh, targeting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Veronica, do you have an evergreen marketing tip for us this week? <laughs> Prepared this week. I did it. I did it. I didn't forget. Oh my God. Anyone listening is probably like, what is she talking about? I, I make one mistake and it sticks with me forever. Yeah, go back a couple episodes. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody call my therapist. I need to talk to her about that. <laughs> my evergreen marketing tip this week is to specialize and to have a brand focus as much as you can. Okay. And I thought this dovetailed with tropes really well. Yeah. In that you're pulling out from tropes the devices that readers can count on when they read your book. When you specialize and have a brand focus, you are also going to set those reader expectations the same way that this is exactly the kind of story that they can expect from you. The kind of the genre, the subgenres, the tropes that you commonly write, the themes. Are you more of a light and fluffy insta love romance novelist Mm -hmm. or are you like a dark and taboo gritty romantic suspense romantic thriller author so always making sure that you are looking at your brand and trying to specialize in just a few subgenres i think is my evergreen marketing tip i totally agree yeah and let me add on to that if you want to dabble in writing in different genres or subgenres that don't really fit well together, consider having multiple brands for doing that so yes. that each brand can specialize. And so that, you and they don't have to be a secret, you exactly. know, they, they don't you need to be a secret. 
hey, this pen name writes the light and fluffy stuff. Hey, this yeah. pen name writes the the darker taboo stuff. Right. And you can be totally transparent about the fact that you are the same author mm-hmm. writing in both of those uh, pseudonyms, under both of those pseudonyms. It just but, really uh, helps with if somebody unknown to you mm-hmm. is picking up a book for the first time and right. they've never read any of your pen names and you only have one and then they go to try to read your other work and they're surprised because they're like, oh, this isn't what at all. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Right. That That's where the problem comes into play. So having that sort of separation and different pen names is very useful. And you'll find many authors have multiple pen names. It is that's true. completely common for authors to have and multiple may, pen names. You may also see authors whose back catalogs include books that kind of make you scratch your head a little bit because they didn't find their niche. Yes. They didn't find the area they wanted to specialize in until they were several books into their career. Yeah. Um, and I've worked with many authors who have a, a chunk of books in their back catalog. It may be two, it may be 20. Right. But they don't even really want to advertise or promote because those books are so unrepresentative unrepresentative of the work that they're doing now. Yeah. And they're like, what do I do with these? (laughs) And we're like, well, there's options. There's options. But that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, for sure. We could do a whole episode on that. Yes. What what do you do with those leftover backlist books that no longer fit your brand? Yeah. What do we do with those? Exactly. But yeah, that happens very frequently. So so Consider trying to hone your focus and specializing in just a few related subgenres of your overarching genre. Exactly. Per pen name. Yes. Love it. Well, thank you, Veronica. That's a yes. great tip this week. Thank you. And we're gonna we're gonna have a fairly average length episode this week. I mean, last you mean week we're not talking for an oh hour. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, we just got it, it there was a lot to cover. Okay. There's Girl. a lot to cover. I know. So this will will give you a reprieve. So this week yes. is a little we're, shorter. We're making up for last week. Yes. But until next time, this is For Book's Sake from 1852 Media. Such a bop. <laughs>